Hello everyone, and this is your host Jess Robinson, and this is episode 45 of Going Beyond Salvation. So, continuing on in our daily reading, when we last left off in Exodus, they were building the tabernacle, and, and the daily reading was pretty much what they were building for the tabernacle, the, the furniture, and and what was instructed by the Lord. And so we've already talked about those items So in a previous podcast. So feel free, if you are just tuning in, to go look through my previous podcasts. And you will hear about what each item represented. So we're not really going to sit and, and talk about Exodus. And there will be times, I think, as we go through Leviticus and even just some of the areas where they do highlight things. Again, we won't go over those all the time. And I'll just say, please refer back to, you know, previous podcasts. So now we jump to Psalm 25 and Psalm 25. I just love how David writes Psalms and he continually, you know, tells the Lord that he lifts up his soul and that he trusts him. And his prayer is not to be put to shame or let his enemies triumph o- over him. And and he makes this declaration that no one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. And most people, you know, these days, and I know that, you know, when you come through trials and tribulations and you're dealing with people who are treating, mistreating you, it's hard to believe that going, how could I be put, you know, how can I not be put to shame? And you may be put to shame in front of other people, but you're not put to shame in front of God. And it's always going to come back around on these people that try to to put you to shame. And so when you put your hope in the Lord and, you know, not try to seek your own vengeance, it's going to come back on those, on those who, you know, come against you. And, and so then he also talks about, I just love this. He says, show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. This is something we need to pray for when when we're reading, you know, just before we read. And, and it just should be a prayer in our hearts is for him to show us his ways and to teach us his paths and, and that we would be guided in his truth. We should be open to letting the Lord teach us. You know, that's a part of humility. And we're going to talk about humility in a minute because humility, like, and it's been, you know, it was a lesson in our Daniel study was about humility. And humility is huge because even Christ exemplified humility. And, you know, for example, I mean, he, he was up in the heavens and he didn't have a reason to come down and become human and and bear you know our sins on the cross and die you know to shed blood for our forgiveness he didn't have to but he humbled himself he came in humility and 
and left the highest place and died for us. You know, I mean, how great a king is that? What other king has ever left their throne to die for their for their own people? So, I mean, no one. And no other god in, in religion has ever, you know, left their their highest place to die for 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 humanity no other god you know there's only one and that's jesus and so we we have to have that attitude about to want to know you know to not to want to know god even more and a part of it is you know getting into the word and asking him to teach us as we read his word even if it's in the most boring section in the bible you know it's going to permeate through you even though you don't realize it and so continuing on he says remember O lord your great mercy and your love for for they are from of old Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love. Remember me, for you are good, O Lord. You know, he's not saying, you know, look at me because I'm righteous. You know, he's he's saying, remember me, for you are good. He is pointing to God every time, saying, God, you're good and and your mercy and love, they're from of old. And I think that's how we should be is, you know, when we're praying to God, we should always be pointing back and, and praising God and being thankful for who he is because he never changes, you know, he never changes and he's still the same God as, as in biblical times. So, and that, you know, we should always be praying, you know, and I think, you know, now it's easier to pray and say and ask for forgiveness and realize that those sins are gone. Now, Satan's going to try to pull them back up and throw them in your face. But you can always just say, you know, yes, that was in my past, but they're covered by the blood of Jesus and just tell them to leave. You know, that that's the hope and the assurance that we have when we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we've asked for forgiveness, it's done. It's finished. It's been nailed to the cross and and we are to move on when and allow him to you know just move in our lives and change us. So and then it says, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. It says he instructs sinners in his ways. And that's like, that's very interesting, you know, which is true. He instructs us in his ways. It's not our ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. And so he instructs us in his ways, which is hard because, you know, we're, we're human and we want to feel comfortable. We want our way. And so we try to make God's ways into our ways sometimes. And we need to sit down when we're struggling and really think about what is his ways and, and really seek and be still and allow his voice to be heard. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself 
it was a big prayer time with going through the Daniel study because that's what we were talking about is our ways are not his ways today. So, and then it says he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So, talking about humility, you know, humility, you know, that's where we get humulate, hum, humulate and um, humble, um, humor, that's where we get it. To be humble, and there's a... There's a misconception, meaning that being humble is poor or insecure. That is not true. You can be humble and have confidence. In Especially like when you have assurance in who God is. You can be humble and have confidence in the Lord and who your identity is in the Lord and what he's called you to do. Now, there's a such a thing as being too confident and filled with pride. But being humble means, you know, like I want to say, we're going to learn that Moses was humble as we continue on in, in the Old Testament. Mos and it says Moses was a humble man. And even when his own brother and sister slander him, he doesn't want them, he didn't want anything bad to happen to them. He prayed for them instead. And so it just shows the attitude that he had. And we see that with Christ too, that he was, he, he was very humble. And as I was talking about, and that's something that is hard because it's just like patience. If you pray for patience, you are going to be tested. And becoming humble is, you know, as I was learning today, it's laying down my wants and saying, okay, Lord, what's your will in this situation? How are you going to use me? Even though I don't feel comfortable in this situation. So... And, and humility is huge, you know, it's a huge part, even in the church, having humility, Christ-like humility. And so Christ is like the greatest example of humility. And, and, and so as we continue to read the gospel, you know, I, I think I'll start pointing out areas of humility in Christ that we can all relate to because, and learn from, because it's a huge thing in the church, especially if you want to see signs and wonders and miracles. You have to learn about humility and not allowing pride to get in the way. So, and when you're humble, it, you know, you're allowing God to teach you his way. It's opening up the door for God to teach you. And it's at verse 10, it says, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Once again, so, you know, he's saying the Lord is loving, all his ways is loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. And then instead of saying, oh, you know, think of me, think of what I've done for you, O Lord. He, he goes, for the sake of your name, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. 
So his heart is, yeah, I know I've sinned. And Lord, for for your sake and for who you are. And he's reminding God that he's loving and kind and merciful for your name's sake. Forgive me, you know. And then he, he says, who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. And, you know, that's kind of emphasizing what we've been talking about is, you know, having fear, reverence, humility. And that opens us up to being used by God. And then David writes, he will spend his days in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. You know, as believers, you know, the Lord blesses us richly, you know, and when we're serving him in humility. Now, does it say that we're exempt from things that happen in this world? No, there are going to be trials and tribulations and it's not, you know, I'm not preaching that, oh, you're going to make a million dollars. No, you know, I'm saying that you're going to be blessed by the Lord in his ways. And and he knows the desires of your heart and what what is right. And he will he will bless you. And then I like this. It I like what David writes after this. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. So, when we think about fear, it's more, it's more about reverence and a personal knowledge of God and intimate fellowship with him, you know, and and that's what is reserved for us. When we revere him, when we fear him, he confides in us. That's what I get to think about. It's like, and it hit me, it struck me, it's like... You know, the Lord confides in those, you know, who have this intimate fellowship and revere him. And I think you see it in a lot of Bible characters, you know, like Moses. I mean, he talked to Moses as if Moses was a friend, you know, and he talks to and you, and we'll see throughout the Bible several several Bible characters, you know, people in the Bible, figures in the Bible that are so they're so close to God and they get such revelation like like Jeremiah and Daniel because they had such a closeness to God that he confides in them. You know, and he makes his covenant known to them. And we're going to see several of them. They end up having so many messianic prophecies. So God was was showing them his redemption for mankind. He was letting them in on his plan. And he's still that way today. He reveals his heart to people and and I like today, you know, I just felt the Lord like he he was tugging at my heart when I was doing my my Bible lesson for the stu- or Bible study that I'm in. And it was just like, OK, the Lord is really speaking to me, 
you know, in the, in this lesson, this is so not coincidence. This is the Lord. And then David declares, my eyes are ever on the Lord for only he will release my feet from the snare. So our eyes should always continually be on the Lord. Not just when we're in trouble and all, all the time we should. Because he's the only one that releases us from our bondages. He's the only one that, you know, he's the only one with that can, you know, take away sickness. That can take away, you know, depression. Whatever it is that's going on. He releases us. He has the keys. And then David prays, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. That's a prayer that we should have in our hearts, especially when we're, when we're going through times and, and trials and tribulations. I think we can look to this psalm and just say, and even if, if we have fallen in sin and have had, you know, backslidden you know if you've ever backslidden it's just something that you can turn to and say you know it's a prayer it's an honest heartfelt prayer that that the lord or that david you know says to the lord and and i know that this was the holy spirit you know inspired by the holy spirit so this is how um that was psalms and now we're going to jump to the book of Matthew. So in the book of Matthew, we ended at the Garden of Gethsemane and, and, and talking about that. And one thing I want to point out that I was reading in, in my class from the book of Acts, because they, it says in the book of Acts that the disciples and, and, and the new believers, they broke bread together, which was meaning communion. And Communion, I, I liked how my class was talking about it. Communion is more than just juice and crackers that you take once a month on at church on Sunday. For the disciples, it was a meal that they took. It was a time of remembrance of what Christ had done. And so, you know, my challenge is, is when you're taking communion, especially if you are a seasoned believer listening to this podcast, really, really think about it, that it's more than just, you know, tradition in a church. It's, it's something, it's a meal that we take to remember Christ. And I remember when I got married, we took communion at our wedding and it was, you know, bread. We used bread and, and yeah, we still use juice. We didn't use wine, but we actually used bread. We didn't use crackers. So I wanted to point that out before we went on, but 
So what ends up happening, what ended up happening in our daily reading is Jesus gets arrested. And it's interesting, we'll, when we get to the other Gospels, I'll, I'll probably jump back here and we'll, we'll compare and contrast what the other um, disciples do. And actually, John has more insight into the trial of Jesus. And I think it's because he was there. He was more... He was there, so I think where all the other disciples had scattered at that point, so other than probably Peter and John, I think John, if I remember right, it's John that uh, was closer, and he actually knew people, so he was let in on this trial. So what ends up happening is Jesus, yeah, he's arrested and he he ends up, you know, Judas betrays him with a kiss. You know, so first he's arrested, and then it says, you know, one of Jesus' companions reaches for his sword. We all attribute that to Peter, where he cuts off the servant of the high priest's ear off, and then Jesus heals him. We don't see it in this, but Jesus does heal the man's ear. And, you know, he, he ends up saying, Jesus ends up saying, do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. He was the son of God and he could, he could have called his angels to come and save him, but he didn't. He went through pain and torture for us because God loves us so much. Think about that. He goes willingly with them. And then they go to the Sanhedrin. And people think, oh, they automatically go to, to Pilate. No. What happens is they go to the Sanhedrin and there's a trial. The Sanhedrin was kind of like, if you think about it, it was like the Supreme Court in, in, in the United States. And it had these prestigious, it was filled with Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes that were very well known. And we'll meet one in the book of John named Nicodemus. And he goes into the Sanhedrin. They take him to Caiaphas, the high priest. And... And actually, the it's not listed in Matthew. There's, they go to Annas first in his house, then Caiaphas. And at that point, there's, there's this trial. And this trial, it's highly irregular from other trials in that time. First, it's conducted at night. We see there's no defense witnesses for Jesus. There's witnesses for the prosecution, but they don't agree with each other. And what happens is they actually charge him with blasphemy. And we'll see like later on in the trial and then future reading days, what ends up happening is they sentence him to death. And 
but the sentence shouldn't have happened until the day following the trial. Now, here's the thing about what was happening in that time period. As we all know, Rome was, as we've all talked about, Rome was ruling over the Jewish people. Now, Rome let the Jewish people handle, you know, their laws as long as, you know, it wasn't treason against Caesar. They let them do whatever they they want. However, when it came to the death penalty, they had to get permission from the Roman governor because at that time, they didn't have that, that authority. That was the only thing they didn't have the authority. That's why we're going to see him go before Pilate. Because they didn't have the authority to kill him. They could say it, but they could they could pronounce it, but it had they had to take him before the Roman governor at this point. So he he's sentenced to death for blasphemy. When you continue on in the daily reading for the days to come, check out and start list reading what ends up happening when we get to Pilate because you're going to start seeing something different what ends up happening but otherwise they end up spitting in his face and they're they're beating him with his fists and slapping him and, and just mocking him at this point so that was it for today's daily reading and so I'm just going to end here. Um, For episode, for for the next podcast episode, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 39, verse 1 through chapter 40, verse 38. So we'll be finishing Exodus for the next podcast. Then we're going to do Psalm 26, verses 1 through 7. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22, and then Matthew 26, verse 69 through chapter 27, verse 14. And so that's it for today. I'm going to end in a prayer, and I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we continue to read about what Jesus did on, what happened to Jesus on the night that, and and the day before he went on the cross, Lord. We just know that he took stripes on his back for us, for our healing. And that, Lord, it was for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We were still sinners, but Jesus died for us. And that, Lord, we thank you that he rose from the grave, that he is victorious, and that we, in turn, are victorious, that call him by name and call him as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that your word We continue to teach us that it would begin to reveal more of you to us, Lord God, and and your will and your ways in our lives, O Lord God. I pray that you would just teach us to be humble in our lives, Lord God, and, and strip away every form of pride and sin from our lives, O Lord God. And we just thank you for all that you're doing. We continue to glorify you and magnify you and your love and your mercy. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Have a nice day, you guys.